This is Bruce Fow, and you're listening to Radio Free Leader. Welcome to Radio Free Leader. I'm your host, David Burkis, best-selling author and recovering academic, and this is the show that tears down the wall between the ivory tower and the corner office. Each episode brings you an outstanding thinker to help you lead smarter by sharing insights from social science and practical applications for leadership, innovation, and strategy. Make sure you stay up to date with Radio Free Leader and get some great stuff we don't share on the show by joining our community. You can sign up on the show notes page for this episode at davidberkus.com slash 720 or text Radio Free to 33444. We'll even get you caught up with our Radio Free Leader Starter Kit. It's a collection of our most popular episodes sent right to your email inbox so you can listen in just one click. We'll also get you eligible for a bunch of free resources on my site from both of my books, The Myths of Creativity and Under New Management. Again, all of that is at davidberkus.com slash 720 or text Radio Free, all one word, to 33444. Today's episode features Bruce Fowl. Bruce is the head of human resources at KPMG, a big four accounting firm. He's also the author of a fantastic article in Harvard Business Review about millennials and the misconceptions around millennials and what they really want from the workplace. Spoiler alert, it's a lot like what the rest of us want. Bruce's article uh, really appealed to me. I sent it out to those of you that are in the newsletter community. I posted it in the Circus, which is our private Facebook group for the community. And the reaction was really, really strong. So we reached out to Bruce and said, you know, come on the show and let's talk about these ideas. So Bruce offers a lot of amazing research that they've done at KPMG, but also research that others have done on the millennial generation in the workplace and what you need to know, but also what you need to know to lead any generation, to build a workplace that inspires and engages uh, employees from any generation. It's a fascinating interview. We even talk about these sort of four questions for all leaders. And we've got on the show notes page, we've got a really cool resource uh, for you to download. That's davidberkus.com slash 720 around what are the four questions leaders need to ask to build that engaging workplace. So without further ado, our interview with Bruce Fowl. So who are you and what do you do? I'm Bruce Fow. I'm the Vice Chair of Human Resources and Communications for KPMG, and um, I'm the Chief Human Resources Officer, and my passion is building great places to work where people want to join and they want to stay and they want to give their best effort. And see, in the explanation alone, a lot of Radio Free listeners understand why we, we want to talk to you. I think, now this could be a whole other uh, monologue we could get into, but I think there's an understanding among the people that actually pra- practice human resources and, and understand kind of how to make a great workplace, how important it is. And then to a lot of people and in a lot of other functions, it's sort of like, why do they even need a seat at the table? But um, that's a whole other monologue. Uh, <laughs> I suppose so, although one would hope that people would be more enlightened than that than to even have to ask that question. Yeah, no, quite true. Quite, quite true. So the reason we're, we're talking today actually is that I, I don't know that if I if I told you this, um, but it was really quite serendipitous that um, I essentially um, read a piece by you uh, in Harvard Business Review, the What Do Millennials Really Want at Work? And I actually sent it out to my uh, listeners to the subscribers via email, and it it blew up from there. Everybody like really really liked it, and I think part of that yeah, is very everybody... pleased to hear that. <laughs> well, thank you. It was a great piece, 
I think part of it is that everybody wants to talk about millennials and really everybody wants to sort of like vetch about millennials and talk about yeah. how everything changed and it's all awful because they're narcissistic and selfish and blah, 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 blah. And I, I, I don't know if I told, this is what I don't know if I told you earlier. I am a millennial technically by, you know, depending on which demographer you listen to, um, I'm like that very first year or first or second year uh, millennial. So I have a little bit of a chip on my shoulder around this because when I look at I'm my I'm not going to hold that against you, David. <laughs> Thank you. When I look at my peers, though, I look at them and, and I think the same thing that this article talked about, which is I don't see anything wrong with this generation that age won't fix, right? In other words, there are differences, but I think they're explained by age, not by um, personality. I, I guess first sort of big question, talk a bit about what do you think causes a lot of these stereotypes and then which of them are actually true? Do any of them hold up, if at all? Yeah, I think that very few of the stereotypes um, hold up to factual scrutiny. If we're talking about what is attributable to a difference in terms of the date in which an individual was born. So I think that there are clearly differences between younger workers and older employees. Um, there, are, there are definitely some differences, but these have been differences that have been true um, throughout the centuries. You know, so if if you go back. Um, there's a fabled quote by Socrates that says that the the children now love luxury, they have bad manners, they have contempt for authority, they contradict their parents, and they tyrannize their teachers. Um, you you might think that um, that Socrates was talking about today's um, millennials. Um, what he's really what he was really talking about is young people. You know, three thousand years ago. Um, you know, now, are uh, you are you sure? Because I think a lot of people would want to take that quote and run with it on some sort of how to work with millennials workshop. Exactly, um, they would. But it, but I, to me, it's proof that these are um, traits of younger people, as you were mentioning, that um, that have been true for time immemorial, and that um, it has very little to do with the fact that they were you know, born um, in 1985. Um, they could, young people that were born in 1930 have as much in common with people that were born, that were, that are young now as, um, um, as people who were young 300 years ago. Young people tend to have a certain mindset that older people don't, but it has nothing to do with the generation that they were born in. You know uh, um, what the I don't know whether you're familiar with the um, with the Broadway show Bye Bye Birdie and the song you know Kids you know uh, the refrain was What's the matter with kids today Why Why can't they be like we were perfect in every way The older generation talking about the younger generation and that was a, a play from the 1960s So these complaints about the older generation of the older generation looking at the younger generation and saying that they're not as industrious, they're not as serious, they're they're more you know they're more con um, self-absorbed, they're more insolent. Um, these have been complaints about adults um, relative to younger people for hundreds of years. Yeah, 
And you, I mean, what, what I love about this is there's a bunch of different studies that I, I've pointed to uh, before when I've made this argument. You actually tipped me off to an Atlantic article with a great quote that summarizes everything you just said. It's not that people born after 1980 are narcissists. It's that young people are narcissists and they get over Correct. themselves. But, but you found exactly. this. I mean, you, you led a study inside of KPMG that sort of found this similar in terms of comparison, com, uh, in terms of comparing what millennials want to what other generations want and found it's, it's relatively the same. Exactly. Um, when you look at the um, the core values and attitudes of employees, there's very, very little. There's way m- more similar about um, the generations than there are differences. That isn't to say that there aren't some differences, you know, and that there's differences between men and women. There's differences between minorities and ethnic minorities and, and non-minorities. There's differences between young, younger employees and older employees. But the things that are the same um, are, you know, are much greater than the things that are differences. Um, the differences pale in comparison to the things that are the same. Yeah. Now, I thought one other cool thing about the study that you led at KPMG was, you know, we, t- we talk a lot about, or, or the people who are sort of selling the how to work with millennials workshops, et cetera, talk a lot about how millennials are more purpose hungry than other employees. They want to work for a place that does an ethical good as a higher purpose, et cetera. And you guys actually led, I think what you called it the 10,000 stories challenge about trying to kind of get those and found that basically people from every generation wanted to have that higher purpose sense. Tell us a bit about Uh, that challenge. Absolutely. The, um, the 10,000 stories challenge was really a grassroots effort to go out to our employees and ask them, you know, um, the question, what do you do at KPMG? And we asked them to sort of reframe and elevate um, the purpose and meaning of their work and to announce it to their colleagues and to the to the organization in general. And, you know, we found when we looked at, first of all, we had a 10,000 stories challenge. We wound up receiving 42,000 stories from our 30,000 person workforce. So we had teams and individuals responding, um, you know, in many cases, multiple times about the, um, about their purpose and their meaning at work. So there was this tremendous pent up appetite to do it in the first place to announce that and to communicate the meaning and the purpose of their work. But we looked at the, at the stories because they were submitted via a website and um, we could tell who submitted the stories and we looked at it relative to the different age groups in KPMG. And the assumption would be that it would be heavily disproportionately populated by the um, by the younger generation, this purpose-hungry group, supposedly. And what we found, in fact, was that there was almost um, no difference between the proportion of stories submitted and the proportion of the different groups in the workplace. And so there, it was almost identical. In fact, there was a little bit of a trend, not a statistically significant one, but a little bit of a trend of older workers submitting more stories than the younger workers. Hmm. So that, that kind of turns it on his head that maybe it's the, the older employees that are, are slightly more purpose hungry. Perhaps, perhaps it's because of the fewer years that are left in their careers or something like that. But uh, Hard to know and not yeah. statistically significant, but certainly no evidence at all 
that um, it is the um, younger employees that are more, you know, quote, purpose hungry. Yeah. So, so everybody, everybody wants meaning and purpose in their work. Oh, so that's a perfect segue to my to my next question, which is we, we know that everybody wants that, that everybody kind of wants the same thing. And you uh, way back in, in 2000, you had a, a great book called The Human Capital Edge that kind of um, teased out four things that everybody really wants or four things that everybody wants across all generations and possibly for all time from their workplace. Can we can we talk a bit about what what those are and how? I mean, it's not a question of what do millennials really want. It's what do all of your employees want? Exactly. And and I think that that's the main um, action implication here, David, that um, if companies spent more time focusing on these four things that everybody um, wants from work, that everybody values from their work, rather than you know, segmenting and narrow casting all these narrow differences, there would be a much greater return on um, on their efforts and their investment in terms of employee engagement, retention, discretionary effort, et cetera. So um, those four things, I like to see them in terms of um, sort of four questions that we want every employee to answer emphatically yes. Um, you know, one is, is, is this a winning organization that I can be proud of? You know, um, every employee wants to be proud of the organization that they work for. They, they want the organization itself to be successful and high performing. They want the leaders to know what they're doing, to be competent, to have high integrity so that when you say, I work for KPMG, or I work for the organization that I'm employed by, that um, the people are, you know, sort of um, pumping out their chests and saying, I'm proud of this place. I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm, I'm associated with a winner that, that I can be proud of. Um, the second question that, you know, we want people to answer yes is, can I maximize my own performance on the job? So, sort of, independent of whether the organization is known for getting its job done in a high performing way if i get down at the at the ground level can i get my job done do i have the equipment that i need to do my job do i have the authority i need to do my job do i have the training i need do i have the information i need if you if you think about and i know this from experience not only at kpmg but at many other organizations that i've consulted to the things that drive employees crazy uh, mostly are the day-to-day impediments to getting their job done. It's the, um, it's the assembly line worker that has poor tools and can't, you know, can't do what they're being paid to do. It's, it's, um, it's our employees at KPMG who say uh, it may take too long to have their computer booting up in the morning. They, they want to get to work and the security software that we have on the computers makes it, you know, um, take longer for the computer to get booted up. Um, um, people complaining um, in their organizations that they can't get a decision made because there's too many levels of approval. These have nothing to do with the traditional, you know, quote, hygiene factors of pay and benefits and, 
you know, respectful treatment, but they drive people crazy if they can't get their job done, which shows you, I think, the motive that people have to do a good job and to want to fulfill the, um, the meaningful aspects of their work. So that's the, the second aspect, the second question. The third is what I just alluded to. People you know, want to know, are, are people treated well economically and interpersonally um, on the job? Um, we want all our employees to answer that you know, with a resounding yes, that, um, that they're working in an inclusive environment where they're respected, where they're treated fairly, not like, not like a child. You know? um, they want to know that their opinions count, that their contributions are going to be recognized both, you know, um, again, interpersonally, psychologically, they're going to be recognized for, for great work and great accomplishments, and that their rewards are also going to follow from that, their economic rewards, that um, they're going to be able to make a good living and that their performance, their pay and their compensation is going to be linked to their performance. People, you know, want that in a workplace, and, um, you know, we want them to to answer that question with a resounding yes. And then the last is what, you know, we've been alluding to before, and that is that people also want to feel fulfilled in their jobs. They want to gain a sense of satisfaction from the work itself, and they they want to enjoy what they're doing. You know, I often say to people that um, all those other things could be true. You could be working for a terrific winning organization that you're proud of. You can be able to get your job done um, easily and without any impediments. You can be treated well economically and interpersonally. But if the work of the company that you're or the firm that you are a member of is not the kind of work that you want to do, people have to have a sense that the work itself is fulfilling and meaningful to them, that that it's leading to some higher purpose other than just making a living and that it's an enjoyable environment that people can have some enjoyment while they're working. And um, if those four, if you think about it, if those four questions are answered, yes, how could you be anything but a great place to work and to be a great place to build a career where people are going to want to join and stay and, and, um, and provide all their discretionary effort. I totally agree. And again, re- regardless of age, this is this applies to all generations. And if you if you're following along and you were you had to like park your car, I'll, I'll put all those four questions together in a cheat sheet. We'll have it posted at davidberkus.com/slash/seven-twenty <laughs> where this interview is because I think they're they're that important. Uh, and again, they apply regardless of age. But if you can get emphatic yeses across all generations to those questions, you're going to have a good workplace, no matter what the average age of your employee is. Exactly. And that, and that's what we find when we look at our, um, at the research data, when we look at our employee survey data, these are the things that are driving the, you know, the overall engagement of employees. These are the things that are driving, um, every generation's, um, you know, um, wish to join and to stay and to perform at work. Totally. So, so if I may, though, we just talked about four awesome questions that that drive people's desire to stay and to perform on the job. I have five questions for you. Same five questions we ask all the guests on Radio Free Leader, and you know they're coming because I emailed them to you ahead of time. the The first question: What's the best advice you've ever received? 
Yeah, the the best advice that um, I, I there's a few pieces of advice that I've received um, that I think um, have really helped me. You know, one is um, uh, that early on in any job or in any position, um, putting some practical results, some visible results on the board, um, some score on the board early um, helps to be able to accomplish all of your objectives later on. So having people viewing you as a person that gets results, Uh, a person who is going to be a success, it just leads to a log-rolling kind of strategy where you're able to build momentum and build credibility and build um, um, confidence of people and have more opportunities to succeed if you um, generate some success early. Um, and I've always um, given that advice to anybody that's joined either my team or my organization or is going off to a new job. Um, I always tell them to do whatever they can to succeed early, not to um, be waiting for the grand slam two years from now. But you know, a couple of singles early will help you to will help you to achieve the grand slam later on. Oh, I love that. What's an average day look like for you? You know, that's a question that you asked that I'm not sure I can answer because there really is no average day for me. Um, I am all over the place. Some days I'm in New York uh, working with my colleagues on the management committee, and we could be in meetings for a day and a half straight discussing um, business strategy and the human capital implications of that. Um, the next day, um, I could be at a recruiting event where I'm speaking to um, to KPMG interns. Um, the next day, the next hour, um, I can be dealing with a vendor that um, has not necessarily produced what we expected and needing to negotiate some kind of accommodation. Um, the next hour, I can be, um, you know, talking to our um, Um, to our marketing organization about um, um, ways to um, help our our folks uh, become more innovative. Um, It's all over the board. Um, I can meet with individual employees at at ground level, and I can be listening and doing a focus group in Silicon Valley talking about the challenges of um, housing, um, and relocation there, and um, you know the next minute can be on the phone with a um, with a journalist or consultant like yourself doing a um, um, an external you know um, um, thought leadership piece. So it, it varies all over the lot. Yeah, an increasing trend among the people that we interview and ask that question to. But to the next question, what are you reading right now? I just finished um, uh, on my va- on a vacation, The Human Stain by Philip Roth. Um, one of my sons had recommended that I read it, and um, I thought it was terrific. And I am currently um, leafing through a book called Bankable Leadership by Tasha Yurik. I don't know whether you're familiar with her. She's a um, a consultant in um, in Denver that I met um, about a, excuse me about a week ago. And I also find myself increasingly reading 
um, op-ed pieces in the um, in the Times and other places on politics because of our election year and the um, the interesting landscape that we have out there. So I've been um, reading a lot about um, the political landscape and listening to a lot of um, radio and podcasts about it and um, reading a lot about it. What do you believe that most people don't? Well, we've talked about one thing that I believe that most people don't, which is that um, um, I think millennials are much more similar than they are different than other employee than other um, um, employees. Um, another thing that I believe that a lot of people don't is that you can teach an old dog new tricks. Hmm. Um, I think that um, that you know that that the environment and that. Um, the structures and rewards and um, that that one can that people can learn at any age and that their behavior can change at any age as long as we um, we um, have control of the um, the contingencies and the um, the structures and the things that that drive behavior the rewards and the the um, the uh, uh, the the things that enable various behaviors. Hmm. So our final question, the the name of the show is Radio Free Leader. In your view, what makes someone a leader? Well, I, I kind of go back almost to the definition, and that is that you have to have the ability to make people want to follow you. If you're a leader, um, people need to want to follow you. And I think that if you want people to follow you, then you need to do more than just manage them. You need to inspire them. You need to develop them. You need to show them the meaning and the purpose of their work. And I think that um, if you can do that, and if you are, you know, true to your word and have some integrity, people are going to follow you. I also think that, you know, bottom line, you need to be competent at what you are supposed to be doing. Um, you know, that's sort of table stakes, right? If you don't know what you're talking about, um, then it doesn't matter whether your motives are to develop people or to show them the meaning of their work. They have to respect that you know what you're doing. And um, I think if those things are in place, you know what you're doing, you help to inspire people, develop them, and show them the meaning of their work, they're going to want to follow you. And that's the definition of a leader. That's, that's too true, too true. So the 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 evidence is there. Millennials want the same thing everybody else works. Bruce, thank you for opening our mind to that. Your book, again, is The Human Capital Edge. The article in HBR is What Do Millennials Really Want at Work? The company, KPMG. So, you know, if we've, if we've got any of the millennial accountants or any age looking, check out KPMG for sure as well because they know what they're doing and they know what questions they have to answer to make a great workplace. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Free Leader. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate it. 